Morning. Welcome to Bridgewater. I'm so glad to have you here with us this morning. I just wanted to say thank you uh, to those that, as we celebrate Memorial Day, we want to we want to thank those that uh, have given their lives so that we can have the freedom that we have today. And um, as we get started this morning, <clears throat> I'm going to begin by sharing a few memes with you um, about the single life. <clears throat> when someone asked me why I'm still single, I guess I'm overqualified. Just save tons of money on Valentine's Day by switching to single. Everyone's falling in love, and I'm just like... And then when someone asks you how single life is going, and you're trying to stay strong. All right. <clears throat> so those are some funny things about being single. Um, there's, I know we got, there's some single people here this morning, but it's not just for single people, so everybody pay attention. <clears throat> I'm going to start off with a story about myself. <clears throat> Um, believe it or not, this is me. Um, yes, I did once have hair. Um, this was my senior, one of my senior pictures in high school. And you know what? You know, one of the things um, I remember about that time was that I was a, um, a little bit obsessed with, you know, trying to find a girlfriend and hopefully find a wife and, and, and that sort of thing. And, you know... As I got into college, you know, I was growing in my walk with the Lord. I was, I, was, I was learning the Word of God. But, you know, so often I was distracted, you know, by this search for a woman. And so much to the point that I, I gathered a nickname in college, and I can't believe I'm going to share this out loud with people. <laughs> um, my, my nickname was Curdy Flirty. I sort of wish I could take that back now that I said it. Um, so I was so preoccupied with trying to find a woman, right? You know, I, I thought, well, what if I left college and I didn't find a wife? That would be terrible. Well, I served Jesus while I was in college, and I learned a lot about God's word, but I think I could have done so much more for Jesus if I didn't have such a distracted focus. And that brings us to our, our first in our series today, as we're going to be talking about singleness. Um, our first point here is, your spiritual status is more important than your relationship status. So as we dive in, we're going to go into 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Beginning with verse 7 and 8. I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has a, this gift and another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. 
So in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul is covering topics like marriage and singleness and, and all sorts of different stages of life, essentially pointing people back to service for the Lord. The Apostle Paul is saying here that it is good to be unmarried. Paul was a single man, and he was calling singleness a gift. Oftentimes in church, someone may feel pressured to get married with this perception that marriage is the measure of completeness in life. Therefore, we have people who may feel like they're less than because they're not married. Or they have this unrealistic expectation, oh man, if I can only get married, then things would be better. Almost as if marriage would be their savior or that marriage is put on a pedestal like an idol. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17 says this, Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. So in other words, accept the situation that God has called you to be in. You may get married someday, and at that time, you will be in a situation that God has called you to be in. But do not miss what God has for you now. In the moment that he has you in right now, he has a purpose for you to grow in your walk with him and to serve him right where you are at. Let's go back to the text and continuing with verse 25. Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy because of the present crisis. I think that it's good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. Paul makes this statement with apostolic authority, and we're reading God's inspired word. So even though he says, this is, I'm not, I have no command from the Lord, we're still to take notice of what he's saying here. See, because he reiterates accepting your situation. If, he says, if you're married, stay married. If you're not married, stay single. Paul is not downgrading marriage here. He is simply telling the truth. With marriage comes some trouble. Anybody would agree with me there? Oh, come on. <laughs> I only saw a few hands there. <laughs> There's this perception that once I'm married, then everything's going to be all right. But I'm telling you, if there's a problem now, it's still going to be a problem when you get married. And in fact, it might get worse. Sometimes we can think of marriage like it's this rainbows and butterflies and we're all going to skip into the sunset and live happily ever after, right? But we're talking about singleness here and we're not just talking about those who 
have never been married. We're talking about those who have been widowed and widowers and those who have been divorced. Maybe, and so remember that this message is for you also. So, what is the purpose of singleness? Well, what it isn't is singleness is not a halfway house before marriage. It's a destination for godliness. So singleness is at least as good as marriage. This runs completely contrary to, what, to the world's perspective on singleness. To be single is to be unmarried and sexually celibate. The world has two words to describe this. Unhappy and impossible. And both are lies. First, singleness does not equal unhappiness. We all need friendships. You don't need a romantic or sexual relationship to complete you. So many people go into marriage thinking the other person will make them happy, and they come to find out that person has brought their unhappiness into the marriage relationship. So then they turn around, and they go 180 degrees, and they say, Singleness is the key to happiness, but neither is true. And you know, married people need to understand this too. Stop pressuring all the people that you know, whether they're your friends, children, or grandchildren, to get married. We're all glad that you like to be married, but believe it when the Bible says that it's not for everyone. The Bible says that you can be single and happy and completely fulfilled. And again, by saying single, I mean sexually celibate and not romantically involved in a relationship. So first, singleness does not equal unhappiness. Second, it's not impossible. Unlike people who ask us to do impossible things sometimes, God never asks us to do something that we can't do. Since 2008, the number of women, 18 to 30, reporting no sex has doubled to 18%. For men, it's nearly tripled to 28%. I'd love to say that that's the result of spiritual revival, but it's not. It's mostly the result of pornography. Most single men who report no sex are actually still having sex. They're just having sex alone with themselves. This is not what the Bible talks about when it talks about biblical singleness. It's about self-control and it's about unselfishness. It's about, it's not about unrestrained um, selfish behavior. And obviously that's not what God is encouraging here. It is not impossible to be celibate. You are not a really smart monkey. You're not just controlled by instinct. You're much greater than that. You are made in the image of God with the ability to choose right and wrong. A man can feel rage and decide not to kill someone. We all know that and, that, and we put that person in prison. In the same way, you can feel lust and desire and not act on it because you're not a dog. This is not instruction... This is not just instruction for young people but who have never been married, but also those that are single again. We need to seriously evaluate, should I remain single? 
Skipping ahead to 39 and 40 of chapter 7, it says, A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes. But he must also, but he must belong to the Lord. That means he needs to be a follower of Jesus. If you are following Jesus. It's one of the three rules God has about marriage. And a really important one. And he can, uh, Paul continues on, In my judgment, she's happier if she stays as she is. And I think I too have the Spirit of God. In other words, if she stays unmarried. And Paul is speaking from experience. Most people believe that Paul was once married, but that his wife passed away. But no doubt that when he wrote this and for the rest of his life, Paul remained single. And he's saying, I'm happy, I'm in a good place, and I'm single. Paul is not just talking out of his personal experience. He's talking as a mature follower of Jesus Christ who has the guidance and wisdom of the Holy Spirit. He's saying it's good to be single. So your spiritual status is more important than your relationship status. Perhaps you might say, well, I feel lonely. So don't fear loneliness. Don't act like it's forever. Get connected with others. Grow and seek. Seek growth in your walk with Jesus and in understanding with others. And learn how to live like a traveler. Our next point is to live like a traveler, not a settler. Life is short. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 7, continuing with 29 what I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Then he skips ahead. I, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a man, married man is concerned about the affairs of this world. How can he please his wife? What is the goal of being single? It's the same as the goal of being married, to trust God and to live for him. God's word says the world in its present form is passing away. Are you living like that? Paul states that it's easier for a single person to completely commit themselves to God in service because they don't have other commitments at home. What I've often heard about at every stage of life, and including myself, I've also said this, is that I am too busy. The single person says I'm too busy to the married person, and the married person scoffs. The married person says to the married person with kids, I'm too busy, and the person with kids scoffs. Busy is a relative term that depends on circumstances and state of mind. We all set priorities in life. Let me give you an example of a story um, my wife told me when she came home one day. She said there was a student in her class, and this student said, when asked, why didn't you do your homework? Now, this student had a whole week to complete their homework assignment. So he said, why didn't you do your homework? And the student said, I was too busy. To which, to which my wife's reply was, 
How many hours per night do you play video games? And he said, only three to four. And that was a serious, that was a serious answer. Three to four. So this individual was busy, right? But the priority was to get all my video game time in, and maybe I'll have time for homework, but not really, right? So three to four hours. So what does it mean to be a traveler and not a settler? A settler just wants to get where they want to be and sit down and relax, It's that if-then problem. If I can only get here, then I will be able to do these things for God. Then I can relax and feel better. But living like a traveler means having a single focus, and that's pleasing God. This world is not our home. The world and all its stuff is passing away. Paul says it's easier for singles to have that focus of pleasing God. A married person needs to care about God and his wife. Parents need to care about God and their kids. It's possible to do both. But I know many that are sitting here know it's harder. And often compromises are made here and there. It could be so exhausting with caring for your wife and your kids, providing for the family, that God can end up getting the leftovers. And God does not want our leftovers. Single people, on the other hand, are free from some of the concern and emotional conflict that can come from marriage. It could be easier to be completely devoted to God. We're going to go back to some verses that we skipped in in between there, verses 30 and 31 of chapter 7. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not, those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep, those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them, for this world and its present form is passing away. So for those, who are mo- for those that are mourning, they will not always mourn. And we're thankful for that. It's temporary. Those who are happy will not always be happy. And if you're happy right now, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're happy. But that's circumstantial, and we're not always going to feel that way. It's completely appropriate to grieve and appropriate to be happy with temporal things on earth. But in comparison to eternity, these things are small. Essentially, it's about having an eternal perspective because time is short. You may feel frustrated with this current stage of life that God has you in right now. But know that there is a purpose. Don't rush to the next stage of life out of this perceived need for fulfillment. Allow God to do that work in your life now. Allow God to teach you now. One time I spoke to a friend of mine before he got married and he was talking about his quiet time and he was, he was a single guy and he's like, yeah, I, I have all this time and I can, I, I can spend time with the Lord and, and it's, it's, I'm 
rarely ever missing my, my devotions with God. And, and then I said, well, I said, wait till you get married. <laughs> I said, and, um, and then he goes to me, um, he ended up getting married and he goes to me, he's like, yeah, you know what, Kurt? It's a lot harder because I got other, all these other things going on than, than I, you know, what he essentially had to do is he had to learn how to prioritize. He had to learn how to prioritize his time so that he could spend his time alone with God. And, you know, I shared this example with you earlier in the beginning about myself and my own singleness. I want to make it absolutely clear that I love being married to my wife. <laughs> all right? Just make all that clear, okay? But I really would have saved myself a lot of grief had I not been so selfish in my singleness. Because you know what? Initially, because that led to selfishness when I first got married. We're going to, a couple weeks, we're going to be diving into marriage. So not quite yet, but, um, but one thing, a couple of the uh, applications I want to leave you with here today is that um, if you are sitting here and you're single, what is your next step? What is God wanting you to do with your life? Are you living a life that is holy and set apart unto him? Are you eliminating sinful behavior from your life? If it's there now, like I said before, it'll be there if you get married. Is your purpose as a Christian to find ultimate fulfillment in a spouse or in Jesus? Are you serving? Are you taking that time that God has given you to serve, to serve him? And, 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 and what are you making priority for that? What are your priorities? Also, I want to encourage you to get connected with others. You do have a relational need, so it is important to connect with others. And there's one more thing um, that I'm going to ask you singles to do. Everybody can do it. You don't have to be single to do this. All right? I want everyone to get out your phones, if you have them, um, and then put on here... Type in the, go to Google, and type in, who am I in Christ? Who am I in Christ? My challenge for you this week is look at what Scripture says about who you are in Christ. That is the point where God wants you to get to, is understanding who you are in him. First having your identity in him before you're having your identity in somebody else. Who I am in Christ. And then there's lots of things that come up on there that you can click on and have. There's, uh, it will show you lots of scripture along those lines. So I encourage you to do that this week. If you're married, you could do that. Who I am in Christ too as well. Um, but what, what have you missed? What are some things that you've carried into your marriage that's hindered your relationship with your spouse or hindered your service to Jesus? What change can you make now? And again, are you serving? What are your priorities? Find a person that can keep you accountable. And this should be a person that loves Jesus, will not just tell you what you want to hear. So as we wrap up this morning, 
want you to consider because I want us all to strive together to honor God with whatever situation he's assigned you to be in right now to honor God with that in this moment, allowing God to do the work in your life that he's waiting to do. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We praise you and thank you for all the many gifts that you've given us, God, and pray as we go forward this week that we would remember who we are in you, God, and that we would please you first and foremost in our lives. God, I thank you for the gift of salvation we have through your son, Jesus. We can never, ever thank you enough for that. God, you are so good. And we pray, God, for all those that are hurting and, and those that, that are in need of care today, that you would comfort them and strengthen them. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.